Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Reading Lens with Nick Lindsay. Hey, Small Group Network, welcome back to another episode of Reading Lens. We are so glad that you chose to take time to hang out with us. Here's how Reading Lens works. Each month I have with us a guest. This month I have two who are also Small Group's point people to share with you insights from books we're reading and what our key takeaways were and how we plan to incorporate them into our lives, leadership, and our small groups. So for those who don't know, this is our one year anniversary of the Reading Lens show on the Group Talk podcast. And in that time, our audience has grown. So I wanted to give those who are newer to show a chance to hear our original episode at what we called at the time book talk and this was recorded in the fall of 2018 doesn't everything just sound so innocent if it was before march of 2020 right anywho this episode is what i call the original three which is andrew camp carolyn takeda and myself and every time that we connect with each other it would always be about new ideas that we were learning and i remember all of us stumbling on the same new york times article about the book we are featuring today because it just speaks to the small group pastor's heart and let me tell you a little about our the guests for those that aren't familiar andrew is from mountain life church in park city utah and you know carolyn takeda from here to there which airs new episodes on the group talk podcast every second tuesday because this originally aired when she was the only show on the group talk podcast she's the host so you're going to hear her she's clearly leading the conversation the book we did is a book that the three of us still talk about to this day it's called the art of the gathering how we meet and why it matters by priya parker and this is from the inside flap of that book. In The Art of the Gathering, Priya Parker argues that gatherings in our lives are lackluster and unproductive, which of course they don't have to be, right? We rely too much on routine and conversations of gatherings when we should focus on the distinctiveness and the people involved. At a time when coming together is more important than ever, Parker sets forth a human-centered approach to gathering that will help everyone create meaningful, memorable experiences, large and small, for work and play. And I'll also put in there a little caveat, and definitely for small groups. She does some really fantastic stuff that you're about to hear. One of the benefits from getting to listen to this episode from three years ago is that I've learned that there's a lot of valuable things that we have learned and put into practice from this book. And I think as we head into a major fall launch, this book is going to be really important because for a lot of us, we've been doing the online gatherings and now it's going to be time to return to hosting those physical gatherings. And I think that there's a lot of great principles that Priya is going to share with us that you're going to hear through Andrew, Carol, and myself in this episode. Another observation I have to acknowledge before this going is I've clearly learned a lot about audio in the past three years. So I'm sorry in this episode that it sounds like I'm recording in a t- tunnel. I wish I could go back and change that for your ears to just give you that smooth butter. But uh, unfortunately, I can't. So trust me, it's worth it to push through or just fast forward to Andrew and Carolyn. They're just phenomenal. Even their pieces is enough to get a lot out of this episode. So you're going to love this. Enjoy. Okay, so this book that we got excited about, and this conversation came about because Nick had um, posted a picture of this book, and I just read an article about it, the same one, Andrew, I think you read on the New York Times about the book, and she's the author, Priya Parker, so interesting. So um, to get us started, and we're going to assume that you guys have not read the book, and hopefully by the end of our conversation, you'll want to. Um, we don't know this woman at all. Um, we've just been <laughs> blessed. God uses you know anything and everything to move us towards him, and I believe that, you know, that, that all truth is God. 
God's truth. And so there's just some really great principles in this book. So the book is called The Art of Gathering. And her background, she's got an interesting background. She's the founder of Thrive Labs, which she helps activists, officials. She's kind of a big deal now. Corporate executives, educators, really wide, wide range of people. And she even specifically talks about churches too. Uh, she's been trained in the field of conflict resolution. She works on race relations in the college campuses and um, the peace process in the Arab world. Um, she's half Arab, which explains that in India and Africa. Um, she studied organizational design at MIT, public policy at Harvard Kennedy School, and political thought at University of Virginia. So this woman's brilliant. But more importantly, um, she just has done a lot of work in this idea of gathering and meanings. And I loved um, one of her interviews. She said, you know, life is just too short to have mediocre, boring, conventional gatherings. And I think those of us in small groups ministry would agree with that. And we're all about making meaningful, intentional gatherings. And so Andrew recently wrote a blog article for the network um, called Start With People that was based on this book. So Andrew, you want to kick us off and kind of summarize um, for us the main point of the book and why um, you found it compelling for small groups ministry? Yeah. As I was reading this book, I felt convicted that she hammers home the point that a gathering is about the people we bring together and not simply about the logistical issues involved in bringing people together. And so um, as I was reading this book, I thought through the list of things I sent to my first time life group leaders (laughs) about they need to do in order to get ready. And it had nothing to do with pairing themselves or the people Mm -hmm. to encounter Jesus. You know, it had to do with, you know, have name tags, have enough care. And those things are good, but they miss the point that we're in the people business, not, you know, the readying of things business. And and so I loved her point where, you know, a gathering is not about just a checklist, getting, you know, getting everything ready to have a gathering. It's about getting people ready to encounter something different. Mm-hmm. And in our case, that's encountering Jesus, our risen Lord, yeah. as we gather groups. Yeah, and I really did um, appreciate, and you brought that out in your article as well, just intentionality of it. Um, so Nick, what did you love about the book? Uh, there's just, there's so much I loved about it. You know, what's interesting is that like, I feel like it's a lot of things that <clears throat> we already try to do, yes. but we don't necessarily understand the why behind it or like what its purpose actually serves. And she just did such a great job of clarifying mm-hmm. um, certain roles. You know, even I just love it starts even like, what is the purpose of your meeting? And to even think about that on a small group level, like, why are we gathering? And I think Andrew just did a brilliant job of describing that, of, of that line, bringing that in there. But there's little things throughout the books that just really stood out to me. The, the role of a host. Yes. Um, you know, she, she goes through like the entire gathering. The host is a great one. That really uh, stood out to me too. So explain a little bit her idea of the host and how that's different than what we typically think. Yeah. So, you know, what I really enjoyed is there's a chapter and it's called Don't Be a Chill Host. (laughs) And um, what's great about that and what she's trying to communicate is that the role of a host is to be active, is is to sort of be a leader in that role. And so she really gives out like three little pointers that that every host should have. And it's to um, protect your guests. So you're going to have new people that come and we want to make sure that that they're cared for and, and they're respected and you know we're not going to ask them right away that first week to to pray or those kind of things that you're already implementing then there is to control and then the one i thought was really great was the equalize your guests yes which is to bring others into the conversation so you can see in certain situations you know you may have someone in your in your group that is just way ahead and they're on a different level and then being able to pull someone else up into that same level of conversation or uh, help them connect actually it was it wasn't it was protect equalize and engage. No. <laughs> oh my God. We just, how, how long ago did we read this book? 
Yeah. We're going to take a second to, to check on what it was. Um, I do remember the point though on the hosting that like grabbed me and I put, I like wrote it down because I think the whole idea of a chill host is that we think you gather the people and we want them to have a good time. So we'll let, leave them to their own devices. Um, and sometimes we do that when we train our small group leaders, we don't, um, tell them specifically, Hey, you need to maintain control over the meeting time that letting the sheep just gather and talk about what they want to is not the plan. You are the shepherd. You get to choose the pasture. You get to decide what is happening in that space. And I think some, especially leaders are aren't as strong or as experienced. They don't, they see it as, Oh, this is, I'm being caring by letting them do what they want. And then we have to kind of shift and say, no, you're shepherding, which means you do have to stay in control. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. So it was protect, protect and control are the same one. It was equalize. And then it was connect. So do these people know each other? Like we want to try to help them. Like you're the host, you're the one that actually knows the two connections. So help people to get to know each other was, was one of the roles of the host in that. Yeah. And she she talked about how intentional, um, even where you sit, seat people at things. Um, what struck you, Andrew, other than the host chapter? Um, just, I was thinking back and, you know, like that it just requires that intentionality to be that leader, but it also doesn't require uber creative things every mm-hmm. time, you know, cause you know, you read her book and she is so thought and she is so right. real in this that I'm reading it thinking I can't do that. In and out. <laughs> right. But then she gives this point. She shares a story when she's having like, I think her brother and sister-in-law over for dinner one night and, you know, and her and her husband are talking before the, they gather. And she shares the story that they used to just set the table together with her sister and brother-in-law there. But this time she sets the table before they arrive. Mm-hmm. And her family walks in and says, who's coming dinner? And Rhea shares that, no, it's you. Mm-hmm. And so in one small, simple act of just simply setting the table for family, you make that person feel welcome. Yeah. And so, you know, it's all too easy to read this book and think, man, like, I'm not cut out this, but it's a simple, it can be done in simple ways that are unconventional and just grab people's heart yeah. and subtly even. Yeah, I, I was struck by that too. And I think that's one of the themes through the book where um, it's really about valuing people and yeah. sacrificing your comfort or maybe comfort of some other people as well if they're, you know, they need to be shook up. She talks about disrupting in a positive way. And I'm in the process right now of planning our fall small group um, leader gathering, which is kind of the twice a year we all gather. And I'm thinking, man, these meetings are, I mean, everyone's fine with them, but they're just, they're not super exciting or, you know, and I'm not super creative. So it's, um, that's a hard thing. So Andrew, to your point, I was like, how can I make this a little more interesting without, um, you know, given my temperament and my lack of, you know, out of the box thinking, but I liked, she gives this example that's kind of stuck with me. And now as I'm thinking about our gathering, um, she gives an example of how she was consulting. This woman consults um, for really big scale, fancy gatherings all over the world and how to structure an environment where people can be engaged and can be receptive, um, whether that's, you know, kind of a tense race relations thing or whether it's a training. And so she gives an example of a training that happened at a museum um, and was to a bunch of curators or it's people studying to be curators in art museums. And so she was saying how, um, you know, it's just training. They're stuck in this one room. It's basically a boring meeting room. Um, and 
the person in charge of the meeting stacked all these chairs um, in in the middle of the room in randomness um, and stacked them on top of each other. Look, they're falling off. So it could look like an art piece in some way if it was like modern art. But um, and then as people walked in, they didn't know what to do and they didn't know if they should pull the chair. They kept looking at the host. The host didn't give any direction. It just allowed this comfort to be there. And then eventually people are talking to each other saying, what do we do with the chairs? So they're bonding with each other over their discomfort. Um, and then they start moving the chairs out. So eventually everyone moves the chair, but then they know how to set it up. Um, and they're left to kind of do it to circle, do it the rows. And then the host explains why she had them start with this exercise um, and how important space is and what they're looking at, how to engage people that come to the museum with it. And I thought, what a brilliant example of something so simple. She's just in a boring meeting room. She had to do something, but to be intentional. And then she got their attention. So instead of the typical thing we do in a large group, at least I don't know about you guys, where, you know, you kind of do the thank yous, you do the prayer, you, um, you know, serve the food, that what could we do that would kind of stir things up and get people engaged in a fresh way. And I think that challenge is to value our people enough and their time enough to, to put our brains to that. Yeah. I think well, one of the things that's just super powerful about this book is that, especially for, for those of us who work in a church, we're so, like, everything we do is a gathering. Sunday is yes. a gathering. <laughs> the, our small groups are a gathering. The uh, meetings that we do are a gathering. And, uh, the, you know, I, the more I read this book, I thought, oh, this is going to be for me because I'm the small group guy. And the more I've read it, the more I realized, man, I could have read this with our, our other directors mm-hmm. because there's just so many different elements that, that, involve them too. It's, it's a great book to read with another staff member, it, it, whether it's like a hospitality director, your first impressions, um, even like arts and those other things, I think are good too. Uh, there's points in there too about where she talks about like who needs to be in the meeting that, that, that really stands out as well. I know often we, you know, we want to, we're a church, so therefore we have to be inclusive yes. of everyone and we need to get everyone's opinion. And she was sharing how, you know, we need to get the people out that don't need to be there. Um, and, and in one of my favorite examples that she used too was the story of the nursing home is the story of this nursing home in Columbus, Ohio. And there's a music school in town. And I believe that they were up against the wall in uh, needing housing for some of their students. And so they started this program where some of the students would go live with the residents at the senior citizens home and their dues would be for them to perform for the residents. And it went really well because what they ended up finding out is that senior citizens really come alive and live longer. Right. the more they're around youth. And then the music was great for them to experience and be entertained. But then it was great for the performance because it gave them an opportunity to perform for others. But then they started to form relationships with each right. other. And so the typical thought is like, okay, how can we expand this even more? And the thought process is like, oh, well, let's bring in different artists and stuff like that. And what they ended up doing instead was putting in boundaries. It was like, no, these are the people that, mm-hmm. that need to be there. Um, we don't want to open this up to the entire school. And so I thought that was like, there's, there's just so much in the church that I can think of. of like, why is this person in this room? Like, yeah, uh, we're wasting their time and they're wasting ours. And it's just, you know, time to address that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Andrew, was there anything that you've already started to act on as a result of the book? Well, like you, I'm thinking of my training I'm going to about to do with my life group leaders and it's centered around spiritual conversations. And mm-hmm. so I'm thinking, how do we help them even primarily as they walk in the door to have conversations that might be difficult, but then also then they can help frame the rest of the training that like, you know, and so even if it's using North Point has these great story cards, mm. you know, just pictures yeah. and they, um, they're beautiful and they're awesome. And I've used them in 
my small group and they open up people because we're more apt to talk about a picture than a sentence. And so like to put those on the table and have people begin right. purposefully tell people to engage a conversation around those pictures instead of abdicating my responsibility as the host to just letting conversation flow. And so um, I think just what Nick was sharing on abdicating our, our role and our responsibility has been huge to me because I tend to do that out of fear or insecurity, um, you know, and so how do I really engage my people, control the environment without being a, you know, a general, you know, um, yeah. you know control in a healthy manner. Right. I think and, that, it, go ahead, Nick. Yeah. It, it just to play with, off what he was just saying too, is later, later on in the book too, she talks about keeping your best, it's just mm-hmm. happened called keeping your best self out of my gatherings. And what she's trying <laughs> to do is like, we all have this networking side to us where like, when I want to meet you, I'm going to tell you about all the best things that I'm doing. And so she's like trying to figure out ways to get to the next level in those kind of conversations. And um, I think what Anthony, those, mm-hmm. those story cards that Anthony's, uh, he's talking about from the from North Point is really helpful for that. We just got those two and it's pretty much what it is, just a picture. And then you like, there's like 40 of them on a table and you just say like, how are you like, what's the one main question, Andrew? Um, pick a picture that describes your life right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you like, look at these and then like people share some really deep stuff mm-hmm. based off of picture and stuff like that, like right off the bat. It's just a really great way to like it not necessarily like throw them off their track, but like get them out of their normal routines. That, that's a great idea. Which is what she did with the idea of these 15 toasts where she's realizing, you know, like Nick was saying, we come to these gatherings with a preconceived notion and we want to put that self forward. And that's what we're trying to work against in small groups, like let down your guard. Mm-hmm. You, know, you sometimes have to do something to get people, shake people, um, make them uncomfortable enough to share, but not so uncomfortable that they run away. Right. And so that I think that might be one of the reasons why we struggle with having a meaningful, intentional gatherings um, that really connect because there's a fear factor um, that you referred to a little bit ago, Andrew, but it's, I know that if I run the small group leader gathering the way I have in the last, you know, years and years, people go away happy. They're fed. They're happy. They have the information they need for the semester. Um, but say I did try something more out of the box. Some people are going to love it. And some people might be like, no, I just, I like coming here, sitting here doing this. And so there is always a risk component. And she's such an encourager. She's almost a cheerleader in the book. It's like, as you read it, you're journeying with her through this. And then she's like, come on, you can do this. There's this encouragement of, and she keeps saying over and over, it's worth it. Um, because yeah. we do want to get beneath the surface. I mean, you know, groups that have been together for years and yet know so little that actually affects people's hearts about their marriage, about their background, about their questions about God. And unless we get there so sooner than later, hopefully, um, I feel like we don't serve that our people well. Yeah, yeah so true. You know, and, and and it takes those little steps. We have to be careful. Like I mentioned before, like it's not a big step we need to always take. It can be just a small, subtle st- step, um, you know, and you don't have to throw out everything we've done, you know, because what, you know, you've done or I've done in the past with our trainings is good and it's met a need. Mm-hmm. How can we tweak something right. this year so that people aren't repulsed, you know, or too scared, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And she does a great job too of like, one thing that I didn't think of, think of that really threw me off was like, she talks about how like the events starts with the invitation Mm. so like so often we think that the event starts as soon as i get up there and say hey i want to thank everyone for coming out that's true it it starts with the invitation and and so much goes into before that to get them prepped so that as soon as you do actually like hit your meeting time like they know what the expectations are of Mm. themselves and how to move forward from there so yeah that's actually a great point too with um with our small groups there was a time where we would hand out little cards that you could give to someone you're inviting to the small 
small group. So it felt um, all the information would be on there and it just kind of sent a tone of um, deliberate invitation. Like we want you here. Look, we even have a card that we're giving you. Um, and for our context, um, that worked for a couple seasons and then we stopped doing it. But we always encourage our new leaders, especially to meet your um, potent future people that are coming to your group in the lobby, talk to them after before they show up in your living room, because that's really awkward and uncomfortable in our culture now to just show up like that. And so we, yeah. we've, you know, and I know people do it different ways, but we've have seen anecdotally that when the, the leader has met the new person, at least had little FaceTime for just a few minutes, they are much more likely to show up and stick in that group than if they just got the name handed to them or they picked it themselves. And then, you know, then it's kind of, you know, whether they show up or not, it, we don't really know. It's, it's harder to gauge the success of that connection, but that personal, Hey, the, you know, I'm Nick, you know, nice to meet you. This is my group. Can't wait to see you there. Big smile. And there's so much more likely to show up. Yeah, for sure. And I was con- like with the invitation aspect, I was convicted too, because, you know, if I'm making a presentation or an, even just an announcement about small groups in my church, again, my tendency is to operate out of logistical issues. How mm-hmm. do you get signed up to be in a life group versus the invitation into the journey or the invitation into transparency? or vulnerability and sharing sharing that mm. versus here are the you know here are the steps to take to get to join and again those steps are good and Priya never minimizes the logistical necessities of a meeting but if we start there we lose our people right. you know that moment is right for taking and so we take advantage of that inviting versus just giving them a list in how, of how to sign up right that's a great point because I will all start needing to do promotions for the fall and bring up such a good point because what gets said on the platform or or on the website, whatever is, you know, we, the logisticals are necessary because we need to tell them how, but a lot of times I think the, the how becomes, comes ahead of the why and the why is what moves people's hearts. There's so many different examples of gathering. Right. And one of the things she loves to kill too, is like etiquette, which I thought is very <laughs> interesting is like, what is the etiquette of our church? And what, what are those etiquettes like need to die has been something I've been like mm. chewing on of, of that, you know, we're not, we're unaware of. So That's that's a good one. The, she has a section and she talks about um, the gathering should almost transport you to a different experience, like an alternate reality kind of thing. And it got me thinking about how most of our groups meet during the week. And the really solid groups that are doing life together, they feel like, oh, this is this is the place I come to where I get to just relax and take a deep breath. I get to not be on my guard with about my faith or about just how I do life. Um, and it just is like an oasis, um, which... I, I think that's kind of what she's talking about, where they're experiencing something so different that they don't get in their workplaces or in their neighborhoods. And that really is community in the biblical sense of it, that we transport people into that experience. If the groups are just an extension where you show up you're with your, quote, best self, where you're just superficially interacting and checking off the box of, now I've been in a small group, therefore, you know, that's my spiritual checkbox, then we've just missed the boat. Or if we simply, you know, do the study without yes. getting each other's hearts you know and again not that bible study is bad but how you know we would all affirm that bible study is good Andrew. (laughs) how do we you know move past just getting through a list you know and that's hard for our people because you know my small group leaders already working 40 plus hours a week Mm -hmm. they're taking care of them like you know and so you know my thoughts you know are swirling because of this book but also like hey how do i help them in what what they needed most versus overwhelming with you know more and so that's where i can be always wrestle with is you know having worked in the secular world 
world yeah. outside yeah. of and led a small group. I know how exhausting it is on your day off, lead a small group versus, you know, I'm now paid to do it. Huh? <laughs> you know? And so like, you know, it's, it's that frame of reference I'm trying to think is how do I help ask this vision? Hey, small group network family, Jason Banzoff here, group talk producer. And let me ask you a question. Have you joined our Facebook group yet? Imagine having access to over 5,000 people just like yourself. The Small Group Network Facebook group allows you to ask questions and engage in conversations with other small group point people. This group will be sure to make you and your small group ministry better. Join me and over 5,000 others by going to Facebook and type in Small Group Network in the search bar. Ask to join, answer a few questions, and you'll soon be in the group. Now back to Reading Lens. So like with anything you read, um, I think I usually, and even as I'm reading it, sometimes I'll just journal about it or I, I pray and go, okay, God, what's the, you know, two, three takeaways. Um, and when I don't have to implement everything right mm. now. I mean, Nick, you're implementing some things related to your connection strategy. Um, I'm really thinking through for our leadership gathering. I want to mm. make that much more dynamic. I want them to walk away feeling like just that they've had, um, they've been fed, that they've had a good time, but there's just some nugget that now they're inspired in a way beyond just, I know what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I, that's a hard thing. I love the wisdom of what you said of, so what, is, what are my takeaways? But then the when, I don't think that's something that I do. I just assume that when is now. <laughs> yes, so, that's because like, you're young. You know when is always yeah. now for young people. Both of you are young. I, I, here's the voice <laughs> of, of um, an aged wisdom is that you really can't do it all instantly. I have learned this in decades. And so pacing it, um, especially at Andrew's point is really well taken. Our leaders are busy. Our their lives are full. Um, and so part of our job as um, their spiritual leaders and small group directors and pastors is to pace it for them and say, hey, you're in this stage of your group right now. The best thing to do, let's if you're a brand new group, let's focus on the invitation piece. Let's do that really well. And then, or if you're a group that's been kind of superficially checking off the box and meeting, but not really seeing transformational life, then for them, we say, hey, next meeting, get really intentional. Use these cards, do something to shake things up up to change people's um, status quo when they arrive in your house. Um, and then we help equip them with some of those tools. And she does have a ton of examples. So final yeah. thoughts from um, each of you. Uh, mine is just <laughs> that like this book is, as we talk about it, I just realized like it's deeper than you think it is because mm-hmm. it, it has application to so many areas of what we do. And I think it's a great book that you can bond with another a person on your yes. staff with that I thought is really cool, uh, cool part of it as well. And I'll just give you a warning. If you're an extrovert like myself she gives you like a billion cool party ideas that like <laughs> i feel like man i want to organize this dinner party that sounds really cool like there's one example of one where like you can only talk to everyone at the table you can't talk to someone that's still left yes. or right or across from you like i want to go to that party like she that <laughs> was so that was interesting she does have all those ideas um yeah how you mix it up how you split up couples like i've done a party and the couples always sit together and she's like you yeah. never see couples together i was like oh that would change yeah. things up it's just I a little convention there's ones too where like what was the other one where like people don't know each other before they get there so they're only first name and so you don't know what they do for a living and you're not allowed to talk about work and like it was it, there's just so many cool ideas that I'm just like man I'm gonna do that next Friday like <laughs> go for it and tell us how it turned out um, how yeah. about you Andrew any final thoughts I think it's really like how not to abdicate your responsibility mm. as the leader of a gathering and that doesn't mean you have to go all out every time what are those small steps 
that can sh- shed that veneer of control or power that you come into your group with and open their hearts to something mm-hmm. different. You know, and so even if it's just a simple question of, you know, can you explain more of how you felt that? Uh-huh. Rather, you know, let's strive towards that, you know, and, and really engage people on that heart level and ready them what God has. Yeah, I love that. There's a sense of anticipation. Even as you pray, I mean, most of our leaders, hopefully they pray before people come and pray as they prep. And I think I can use some of these tools to um, help people connect faster in more meaningful ways. Aren't Andrew and Carolyn great? In our next show, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about the leadership lessons from my current favorite TV show, Ted Lasso, which is on Apple Plus. And you better believe, if you're a fan of the show, you'll get that. It's going to be a good one. No joke, the first season I've already watched three times, and I plan on watching a fourth to prep just for this podcast. But... It's going to be a good one. I can't wait for it. Uh, Next week, come back for a special small group network episode. The mad scientist James Browning, a.k.a. our pastor of small group network development, will be doing an episode that you're not going to want to miss. Honestly, I haven't heard it yet, but every conversation I've ever had with James, it's hard to end because he's full of so much quality information. And you're totally going to see what I mean when you hear that episode next week. So make sure you check that out. Well, I'm Nick Lindsay, and I want to thank you for listening with us. And thank you for all you listeners who've subscribed and downloaded episodes to those who've met us on our small group network facebook group and continue the conversation there and sharing your takeaways you guys are what make this special and makes it means so much to us that you give us 45 minutes to share our learnings with you thanks for joining us remember leaders are readers take care everyone thank you for listening to group talk we invite you to subscribe to our podcast through itunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.